But sometimes, you know, um, there comes a time in everyone's life where you just have to take a stand. You know, like when you know what's right and you just have to say it. You ever been in those sorts of, sort of situations? Sometimes I've met people that, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I wish they didn't say anything straight away. Okay? But the world needs people that tell it like it is. It really does. And um, we all need people like that in our life, that tell it like it is. That's not the right attitude I see in you, Ian. You know, but say it nicely. Hey, Ian, ever thought of saying it this way instead of telling that person this? And we're looking at um, young people in the Bible, and I couldn't help but choose this guy, this character out of the Bible, Josiah, this little king. And his story is told in 2 Kings 22 and 23. It's also told in 2 Chronicles 34 and 35. And somewhat told in uh, Jeremiah and Zephaniah, I think. Because those two prophets were around the same time that Josiah was king. Now... You know some Josiahs in your life. In fact, someone here might even be a Josiah, all right? Now, I don't mean literally. I mean like like the person, okay? Because this, this kid, Josiah, he didn't have much of a Christian environment, let's put it that way, you know, to grow up in. He never went to a Christian school. He didn't really have a Christian mum and dad. He didn't really have a Christian grandfather. In fact, he grew up in, in a society where there weren't many role models at all except for those that had gone before him who had passed away. Like King David. We read before that he walked in the ways of King David. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, verse 2 of chapter 22, and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. So he had some examples, but they weren't around him. He lived in a nation that was in upheaval. They'd all turned away from God. Like they were going through not just political upheaval, but also like there was nations around them that were the powerhouses of the day and poor old Judah wasn't. In fact, by this stage, Israel wasn't even there, the northern. They were already in Babylon, all right? They were under, they were in, they were in exile. And here's this other section of the kingdom of God, Israel, but it's called Judah, and it's being ruled by this eight-year-old boy called Josiah. Now, you don't see that these days, do you? Like if we're going to have a vote this year about our new prime minister, we're probably not going to choose an eight-year-old boy or girl, will we? Why? They're not old enough to make decisions. Yeah, we kind of, we think that way, don't we? We, we sort of think that way. And, and I don't blame us for thinking that way. Which makes me kind of wonder, what can we learn from this kid? He was, he was installed as a king at the age of eight. Now, let me tell you how he was installed as a king. It wasn't like he did sort of, some sort of a contest you know, and all the other eight-year-olds or 50-year-olds or whatever, all the people that were vying for that position got together and he was chosen out of all of them. His dad was the king before him. His name was Amon. And Amon was a bad guy. He's a king of Israel, a king of Judah, right? God's people. God's people, right? 
And he couldn't care less about God. He just thought, no, nah, it's just a waste of time. I won't follow God. In fact, I'll just follow the gods of all the other people, all the other nations around me. I'll just do what I like, right? And so Amon, he ended up uh, causing some people in the land um, to be upset with him. So there were some people in Judah that wanted to follow God. And they saw that the king wasn't. So instead of just waiting till the next election, they decided to get together and conspire and then assassinate him. What a fantastic idea that is. Isn't that great? It's in the Bible. And so what happens next is because he dies, the people that like King Amon then think, well, let's kill those people. So they killed those people that killed King Amon. And then what do we do now? Well, we're going to have to install someone else's king. Let's install Josiah. And so Josiah becomes king. Josiah was born during a turbulent time in Judah's history. The people of the land were moving away from God, left, right and centre. Idol worship was commonplace and the Lord's anger burned against his own people, which is pretty sad to say. Josiah had a grandfather. Now, you'd think a grandfather would be a pretty good role model. His name was Manasseh. Not the Manasseh of the tribe, not, not uh, Joseph's, one of Joseph's sons, I think it was called Manasseh, is that right? Ephraim and Manasseh. Yeah, different Manasseh, right? Same name, different guy. Totally different guy. Check out what this uh, 2 Kings 21 verse 6 says about Josiah's grandfather. King Manasseh of God's kingdom, Judah, right? This guy should be the leader of God's people, right? This is what he does, all right? Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery and divination. And he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. That's pretty bad leadership, like for God's people, right? And the, the thing was, they were deluded because the nations around them would, would worship this God called Molech, who ends up just being a demon. But they would think that sacrificing their children in the fire to this God was actually making the children go to a better place. The devil's a liar. He always has been a liar and a thief. So poor Josiah didn't have much of a role model as a grandfather either. Do you guys know someone like that in your life? Or have you seen people like that maybe at school and you think, oh my goodness, those, that's just a hopeless situation right there. Or maybe you've been to the shops and you know a group of youths have come past and they've done really ridiculous things and you think, oh my goodness, no, there's no hope for them, you know. This is Josiah's life. But you see, Josiah doesn't get affected by the things that go on around him. Josiah takes a stand. Josiah takes a stand. And I, I see really just three things. I could focus on so much about Josiah. There's so much about this, this kid, this man. He grows up to be a man. He grows up to be 39 years old. That's it. He dies when he's 39. Most of his, most of his reign is from when he's eight but all the way up to um, 39, but pretty much when he's between 16 and 20, he's making some serious decisions for a whole nation. 16 and 20. Hands up if you're 16, between the ages of 16 and 20 tonight. Yeah. How much responsibility for a whole nation, like millions of people, this kid stands up and he stands out. He takes a stand. All right? Now, I, I believe this world is just waiting for or needs 
It needs young, young men and young women to take a stand for what's right. You know, not, not in an aggressive way, but in a holy kind of way, in a, in a Christ-centered way, in a Jesus-centered way, to do what's right, to take a stand. Three things that I notice about Josiah is he's, he's, fully, he's really comfortable to stand out from the crowd. He doesn't care too much about the influences around him. The first lesson we can learn from Josiah is that he had the courage to stand out and do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Do you see that in verse 2? He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. King Amon, Josiah's father, is recorded as worshipping idols and disobeying the Lord. And Josiah would have grown up watching his parents do that. He would have grown up in that influence. But although Josiah became, uh, although Josiah grew up in that kind of family, he had an influence. And I believe it was the priest, Hezekiah, that was some kind of father figure to him, a role model to him. Although Josiah became a king at the tender age of eight years of age, the Bible records him as following the Lord wholeheartedly. And he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Often in life we face pressures from the crowds, right? I remember hearing a story once about some students that were in a class. In fact, I think all of my boys have heard this same story. Some students were in a class. There were, there were four boys, actually. I, thought, I think there was five, but I'm pretty sure there was four boys. Anyway, one of the boys didn't know this was a trick. All right, But most of them knew that this was a trick. And what was going to happen was up on the screen, they were going to put a picture and, and, and there was going to be a straight line or a curved line. And the person, the man, the teacher up front responsible would say to the students, okay, uh, A or B, which one is the straight line? And so A would be, for example, the straight line and B would be the curved line. And these, these boys were told before this experiment, the three boys were told, just swap it around. Pretend like the straight line is the curved line, the curved line is the straight line. And eventually, this one boy that didn't know what was going on, he looked around at his mates and he thought he must be wrong because they were all choosing the wrong one. So peer pressure, all right? I probably didn't explain that very well. But peer pressure is really, really, really powerful. And it's not just for young people. You see, when we're really young, all of us, when we're really young, whether we want to believe it or not, we're influenced by our parents, all right, our significant others when we're growing up, all right, the people that are around us, the community, the family, all right? And then when we get into our teenage years, we're influenced by other teenagers, yay. And we can find ourselves doing some pretty insane things, some of us, if we are influenced by the people around us. I know I've been there. But Josiah, he wasn't allowing the things around it, his family, his nation. See, everyone was going one way and he knew that's not right. That's not okay. That's not what God says. And so he decided, I'm going to follow God's way. And he was not afraid to stand out of the crowd. Josiah had to make a stand against his family at one point in his life. And all the people of Judah who were bowing down to idols and practicing divination. He made the brave decision to follow the Lord wholeheartedly 
and set about destroying idols. What this young boy did in between the ages of 16 and 20 is he went over to this mountain and destroyed all of the idols. He went over to this mountain and destroyed idols. He stood up for what was right, no matter what anyone else was saying. I know as a teenager, as we become teenagers, peer pressure becomes stronger. This is, uh, this is where young Christians face difficult decisions. Do I go to the party? Should, should I get drunk? What is drunk? How many is too drunk? Should I stay overnight at a friend's place? Is it, is it okay to skip church one night because there's a game on or my friends are doing something? But even as we grow older, I think even out of teenage years, the tendency to follow the crowd and stand uh, and stand up for what's right, sometimes that's even harder. But Josiah, he made the brave decision and he got rid of everything. You can read about that in chapter 20, 22 and 23. I want you to read that. We don't have time tonight to do that. But he was comfortable to stand out from the crowd. All right, That's what we can learn from this young man. The second thing is he confessed his sins in humility. What happened was this King Josiah, his first thing to do was to go to the temple and renovate it. His dad and his dad's dad couldn't care less about the Lord's temple. And what had happened is not only did it just get cobwebs and fall apart, start rotting or whatever, but, there, but other images and idols were set up in the temple and people were worshipping other gods in the temple. I know, crazy. That wouldn't happen in our church, would it? Not this is a temple, but, you know, sometimes, though, things can get in the way, can't they, of us worshipping God. Sometimes other things can get in the way. We, we won't call them idols. We won't bow down and worship them, but they still get in the way. But Josiah, what he did was he actually went in and, or he didn't go in personally, he told people to do it, right? Clean up the temple, make it nice. Let's get the nation worshipping God again, learning about God again, having Passover meals again, and remembering our past and our history and all of that. He thought that was a great idea. So while they were cleaning out the temple, guess what happened? Same sort of deal was when I was cleaning up my desk. I found something really exciting. They found something really exciting. They found the law of the Lord. Now, the law of the Lord was the word of God. It could have been the first five books of the Bible. We're not 100% sure what exactly they found. But what they found was God's word in writing, God's message to his people in writing. And they hadn't even been reading it. They hadn't even seen it, and they found it. They found one copy of it in the temple as they were cleaning up. So they got to reading it. And as Josiah heard those words being read, the Bible tells us that he was cut to the heart. He got emotional about it. He got emotional about it. The first thing we notice about Josiah, I learned from Josiah, is that he is comfortable to stand out. The second thing I learned from Josiah is he was he was he was uh, he confessed sins in humility. All right, that's, that's pretty tough. The Bible says that when Josiah heard the words of the law, he cried and he tore his robes. In the Old Testament, tearing your clothes is a sign of grief. It's passionate. Could you imagine that? 
tearing your clothes, it means you're passionate about something. There's emotion there. And when Josiah heard of the Lord's anger against his ancestors, he repented and interceded for them. That's pretty crazy. He's reading this book, and I think, by the way, if you're taking notes, go to Deuteronomy 27 and 28. I think that's the section that they might have been reading because it kind of correlates with what we're looking at here in terms of curses and blessings and, and repentance. Okay, check it out. So much there. But regardless of what it was that they read, it made Josiah repentant for not only himself but his nation. He thought, how did we get to this place? He opened the Bible, basically, or his version of the Bible, basically, and went, how do we get to where we are now? And he looked around and went, wow, this is not like it is in here. And he got passionate about what he heard being read out of the Word of God. Do we get passionate about that? Do you guys get passionate about that? I don't know, I love, I love Shekinah's family. They're like South Americans and Italians. Passionate people! Oh, my goodness! They get passionate. They dance. Oh, my goodness. Everyone did. They come out being born dancing, probably. <laughs> They're passionate people, and I, and for me, like, I don't know if I get super passionate when I'm reading my Bible every day, but I probably should. I remember what once I remember watching a video of some people in China. Now, China, this was a while back, and they hadn't had Bibles for a long time, and someone opened a box of uh, a cardboard box in a room of people. And guess what was in the box? Bible. Bibles. Guess what the people in the room did when they saw the Bibles? They cried. They just cried. And they went and grabbed, they just was straight in, grabbing a Bible, right? Passing it around to other people. They were so excited about the very fact that they had God's word in print in their hands. Because someone was brave enough to smuggle it in to them because they were desperately hungry for it. And I wonder if we just have lost that, you know, not we, but I mean like us, the whole world, whole Christianity, because we've got so many copies of the Bible. I could have the Bible on my phone. I've got the Bible on here. I've got the Bible on the back of one of my shirts at home. I've got the Bible on this, this Bible on that. We can just Google the Bible. And maybe we've just lost the passion about, whoa, this is actually God's message to me, you know? Anyway, Josiah, he read it, or he got the people to read it, and he was cut to the heart. The bit that he read was like, hang on, if you're going to live like this, you're going to get curses. If you're going to live like this, you're going to receive God's blessing. And he looked around and he said, we're not going to receive blessing because we're living like we deserve curses. And so what he did is he got on his knees. He ripped his shirt, or whatever he was wearing, and he just got passionate before God. The Bible says in, um, in 2 Kings 22 verse 19, God spoke through a prophetess. I love that too, because God spoke through a woman prophesying. All right, Her name was Huldah. And she said, well, God said to King Josiah, you were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. And the Lord goes on to say to Josiah, the punishment that's coming upon the nation is not coming upon you. It'll come after you die. Because this man, he got on his knees and he said, God, we're so I'm so sorry for my nation. He's the, he, the, the one in authority, right? 
He interceded on behalf of his nation. And that's what we should do too. We should come before God and say, I'm so sorry, God, that my nation that I live in has turned its back on you. En masse, people just disregard that God even loves them, even exists, and it's and it's almost becoming illegal to be a Christian in my nation. I'm so sorry for that, God, because you're our creator. You created my whole nation, every single person. We should come before God and intercede and pray for others, just like decided, and get passionate about it. We should open our Bibles and get passionate about what God might be wanting to say to us through it too. And so the Lord delayed his judgment on Judah because of Josiah's humility and um, his repentance was in humility. So he was, yeah, he confessed his sins. This is a young man showing us how it's done. The third thing I learned from Josiah is that he removed evil from his sight. This is a message for all the young people. I wish I had a pastor back when I was 16 going on 25 that said to me remove everything evil out of your sight don't go there don't open the door don't turn the key don't press the button you know don't make the phone call remove everything evil from your sight see what Josiah did was he got a band of people together and they went around the whole of the the whole border of Judah because he was the king and he decided that this is going to be a nation that serves God. So anything that was evil, anything that reminded Josiah of evil, he went and he, he destroyed it. All right? He didn't just have passion. He didn't just confess his sins. He did something about it. He actually put it into practice. All right? This action, he was a man of action. Josiah burned all the articles made for idols and the starry hosts. He did away with the idolatrous priests like people. He destroyed the Asherah poles. We don't even know what they are, but they're, they're like a shrine thing that people would worship other gods and demons. Horrible. He did away with the shrines where there were prostitutes that they would be used as worshipping other gods. He also destroyed high places, which were places on top of mountains that people would worship other gods. He destroyed the whole thing. He went on a massive big clean out. He cleaned everything out. Now, sadly, in those days, people sacrificed their own children in the fire to a god called Molech, which is really sad. Now, I hear people today say, how can you be a Christian and worship a god who, you know, was involved in wars in the Old Testament where whole families were put to death. And I think I think to myself, how, how can I not worship a God who saves us from death, all of us? But these people, these, these other nations were, were sacrificing their own children to the fire, thinking that they were doing their children a favour. And Josiah got rid of all of those sites where that was happening so no one could sacrifice children there anymore. And this guy is a child doing this. It's easy to confess our sins to God and then do nothing about it. If we do not remove temptations from our lives, then our confession is just empty words. You know, it's great to have communion. Yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. Yes, Lord, there's no condemnation. But he says, go and sin no more. 
All right. We need to put ourselves in a place where we destroy things from our sight that are evil. It might mean not watching certain movies on Netflix. I'm serious. If it's not good and lovely and pleasing. Let me read to you from Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. It gives us a template for a healthy mind, which I hope everyone here wants. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. It doesn't say fix other people's thoughts. Your thought, right? I'm responsible for my thoughts. You're responsible for your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honourable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the Lord of God, sorry, then the God of peace will be with you. You know, it's one thing just to say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, God. But it's another thing to do it. Sometimes I say to my kids, don't say sorry, do sorry. It's more important that we live a life that says, God, I'm actually going to honor you with what I look at. You know, Jesus said, the eye is the window of the soul. If your eye is good, your whole body will be good. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be bad. Which eye was he talking about? Your left eye or your right eye? Trick question, Ian. It's, it's not about this eye. It's about your focus. Whatever has your focus. Whatever you wake up in the morning, what has your focus? You chuck on the television, what has your focus? You sit in front of your laptop, what has your focus? You get behind the car, steering wheel, what has your focus? If your focus is good, your whole body will be good. If your focus is bad, your whole body will be bad. I know there's studies that have been done, but I don't know if it's conclusive, but you know the, 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 the amount of crime and, and theft that goes on in our nation, just to look at what those people who are doing those things, what are they watching? What are they looking at? What has their eye? What are they focusing on on a daily basis? Eventually, it comes out, manifests in their actions. Computer games. Violence. What are we watching? Your eyes are the window of your soul. God is desperately jealous for your soul. What we see is powerful. And Josiah is a young person that all of us old people can learn from. What are we looking at? If we can see something that's not honouring God, we should destroy it. We should get rid of it. If we're serious about following God, if we're passionate about following God, we should get rid of it. Can we learn from a young person from the Bible tonight? It's tough learning from young people in the Bible, isn't it? It doesn't feel good. It's hard work and it, and it requires us to make decisions. But our mind is like a garden. Let me just put it this way. My wife's a crazy plant lady. I know there's some gardeners in the room. My mind is, your mind is like a garden. If we look after it well and water it with the right ingredients, then guess what? It will be strong and fertile. However, if we pollute it with negativity and harmful thoughts, that is our mind, not our garden, <laughs> then it can be overrun with Weeds, like bad thoughts, bad attitudes. I want to encourage you guys this week. 
to focus your attention on what is good, what is pure, what is lovely. Set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. On reading the lives of Christians who lived for the Lord, a common theme emerges, not just in the Bible, but in all of history. This is it. They loved the Lord with all their heart, soul and mind. And Josiah was one such person. His life was one of complete dedication to the Lord, completely. He lived 39 years. That was five years ago for me. I don't know if I've accomplished that much at all in my life. But we can learn to be comfortable enough to stand out from the crowd. All right? If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Stand up for what's right. We can humble ourselves before God and confess not just our sins, but the sins of our nation too and our family around us. We can get real with God. Real people getting real with the real God. Also, we can put our words into action and remove evil from our sight. In our daily lives, let's copy this young man, Josiah. He didn't have a good start. He didn't have a great community to live in or grow up in, but he made a big difference because he set his heart on God. You know what that does for me and you? It gives us hope. If we set our heart on God, it doesn't matter what goes on around us, what people say around us, how they've brought us up. It doesn't matter. If you set your heart on God, if you, you might have some desires in your life. You know, you think maybe they're it's, it's, you know, hope, it's hopeless. You know, I've tried my best, sent them to a Christian school, grew them up in a Christian family, and they've just walked away. There's hope when there's breath. Where there's breath, there's hope. Keep praying for them because God can use people like this to transform a nation. All right? He can do that in your life too. How about we pray? God, we just thank you so much for the young and the free King Josiah who was young and he was free, free to choose to follow you and to do what was right even when everyone around him or most people around him were choosing to not follow you and they chose to do the wrong thing. So, Lord, we just want to pray for our young people tonight. We pray that you give them strength, God, to do that, to stand up in the crowd. When, when other people are making decisions, it's tough, but we just thank you, God, that you give them the strength to be able to do what's right. Lord, we pray that for us too, us old people, in that as well. Give us the strength by your Holy Spirit to do what's right. And not just for our benefit, Lord, but for, for the people around us, for our nation even, that people might see that you are the one who makes a difference in our life. And Lord, I pray that we pray, God, that as we open our Bibles this week, that we would just get excited about what you have for us in your word, in your Bible, in our Bibles, that you could speak to us, God, just as you spoke to Josiah. And Lord, if there's something in there that we need to, um, you know, if there's something that speaks to us that maybe we need to confess or repent, then Lord, give us the strength and the, um, yeah, the ability to do that, to humble our hearts before you. But, Lord, help us to just be people that love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And, Lord, help us to, um, yeah, keep praying for our young people to turn to you. We just thank you, Lord, for Josiah. We thank you, Lord, for your work in his life. And we thank you, Lord, that we can learn about him tonight. Amen. Amen.